Hi, I'm Dr. Barbara Becker-Holstein, and I have with me my dear colleague, Debbie Stores, like Stores Higgins, <laughs> and uh, we're back to do another program about radio days, old-fashioned radio days, and we are not prepared. Well, we are prepared in the sense that we're here, but both of us have been under a lot of stress for various reasons. Um, I'll mention first that for me, as a psychologist, um, I'm seeing quite a few patients because the pandemic is tiring and difficult for a lot of people. Um, we know it'll pass, but while we are in it, it's difficult. And um, one thing I want to remind everybody, since I have you in a captive audience, is a lot of the anxiety that you feel is because our brains are not prepared for some of the things that we have to do and not do during the pandemic. For one thing, we are living very boring lives, most of us, in the sense that if I ask you, did you do anything interesting last week? A lot of people can't even remember last week. Yeah. It's very hard to remember what you ate yesterday because everything is very repetitive or dull. And the brain looks for adventure and some sort of movement in what is happening within our days or our weeks. The movie we saw, the friends that came over to visit, the new recipe, and of course, the brain even likes more exciting things, you know, stuff that'll just stand out forever. Your baby took his first steps. You know, that's really big. I remember when my son walked his first steps, he was almost 16 months and we thought we had to bring him to a doctor because he hadn't walked. And I remember lying on the floor and he walked and yet I couldn't probably tell you anything for three months before, three months after that particular day. So I'm encouraging people, don't get frightened. All of this stuff is because our brains are simply waiting for the normal activity level that we all miss and respond to. You know, I want to interject with that, Barbara. Another thing is the fact that I, I found this to, to bother me and people I've spoken to is you can't really count on anything. Today we had a discussion and I said, are we allowed to go out of New Jersey yet and travel? Are we on the bad list? Um, if we do go, do we have to quarantine? I've heard of people not quarantining and other people turning them in. Um, I, I, my son works at a fantastic restaurant in this in the area and he's an assistant manager and they don't know if they're going to be closed they don't know what's going to happen because we before it was very very hard especially i can say this i'm a, you know a little older to keep up with technology and to keep up things changing now we have that on top of 
not knowing if businesses are closed or open and hours are changing and are they still there? I just, uh, I had to get my shoes fixed the other day and a guy who's been a cobbler in this area for a million years has his hours posted, but when I called, he shut down. So mm -hmm. it's even beyond the restrictiveness, yes. it's the not knowing there is nothing stable, nothing. And I noticed that people, we, I didn't want to get on this macabre maudlin thing. I noticed people are starting to buy more paper towels and hoarding again yes. because yeah. I think they're yeah. scared. And I never thought about it being scared until, and you know, plus the election has everybody crazy, but it's like, there's nothing mm. to hold on to, nothing. And I think that's a, a, that's a big deal. Even, and, and we're going to segue into this a bit, Halloween was so weird. And I thought about the poor kids. One, they had Hurricane Sandy where they couldn't trick or treat. Another Halloween was snowing and they couldn't trick or treat. And there was a storm and we had no electricity. And then they had this thing. So it certainly isn't the idyllic childhood of the 1950s. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, that's for sure. Uh, actually, our topic tonight is Halloween scary things. And I think we're already covering some scary things as we chat. Real Halloween, yeah. And some miracle stories, you know, to boost us up because really most of us, most of the time, really live very interesting, vital lives and um, make it through many circumstances. You know, or we wouldn't even be sitting here if that weren't the case, certainly for myself and you. Yeah, we try to. <laughs> yeah. So you're the Halloween expert of, of the two of us. Yeah. Well, um, Halloween is my favorite holiday. Um, usually every year, my girlfriend, uh, Michelle and I go and we have an adventure. We've had some terrific adventures. One was at the Lizzie Borden house in Massachusetts. <laughs> which was wow. wonderful. God, they had such a great program. And if anybody wanted to go and do that, they authentically take you through the two days from the time Lizzie Borden was not a non-murderess to when she was a murderess. And we really don't know because she was, of course, exonerated. But it's period costume. They have the food that the family ate. They have a seance at midnight. Um, but you have to book at least a year ahead. And we slept in the bedchamber where there was a murder. And during the middle of the night, I got up and they had these black cat iron doorstops. And I got up in the middle of the night and I took the doorstops. There's four rooms that can rent it. And I put them all in the hallway and I went back to sleep. And when everybody woke up, they were like, oh, look, it's a ghost. Oh, my God. And, you know, it, I finally <laughs> told my girlfriend that I did it. Um, we've gone to these wonderful attractions. We did the Headless Horseman. We've gone to Sleepy Hollow and saw Pumpkin Blaze and Lynnhurst Castle. And there was this, you know, you think about these things and then you think, I bet it isn't happening anymore. We, there's this fantastic event in New York called Sleep No More, which came over from England. And they bought a, a, the McKittrick Hotel and there's six floors of beautiful uh, 
exhibition that you all wear a mask, you don't talk, it's three hours to walk through, you follow actors who do all kinds of ballet sequences and beautiful music, and it's like a fairy tale Shakespearean event that you walk through, and that was the highlight. But I try to always seek out phenomenal Halloween things, and of course, this year, it was not possible, so. Yeah, well, as far as Halloween, for me, the biggest thing was the big brown paper bag that I took around and filled with candy. So it was quite a, I loved it when I was a child, but it's nothing that I followed, you know, as, as I grew up in particular. And, um, but it did remind me of uh, when you were talking about this kind of ghostly feeling in this house. We were once out west and we stayed on the Queen Elizabeth, the first ship, which has been brought somewhere. I don't remember now exactly where it is on the West Coast, but they opened it as a hotel. Mm -hmm. And we slept there two nights and I felt well, it was really creepy. They had a lot of ghost stories about it. And um, I just had that feeling that I sometimes get like, I don't really feel right in this place. You know, there's yeah. something there. So I was happy when the two nights were over, but my husband felt nothing and he loved it. So, And I would love it. I have on my bucket list in my life, I wanted to stay at the 50 grand hotels in each state that were meant to be haunted. Uh, and I, I would love to do that. The, the Gilded Era hotels that have reputations. I would love that. And, you know, I'm drawn to horror. I love it. Um, I hate slasher. I hate any of that bloody, uh, ugh. Um, but there are some, I, I just thought I'd share a few of my Halloween movies that I watch every year. Oh, yes. In case people haven't seen this. And I'm, I'm the horror queen of, uh, I'm, I'm known as the horror queen in a way of Asbury Park <laughs> because I've done so many horror things, uh, film events in Asbury Park. So, Okay, um, there's one beautiful black, I love black and white films, of course, and there's four films I want to bring up. My first one is called Horror Hotel. It's with Christopher Lee when he was in his beautiful young self, and it's a story about Whitewood, which was his hometown in New England, and it's all been cursed by a satanic witch, Elizabeth Selwyn. It's a beautiful picture great screenplay, holds up like nobody's business, very atmospheric. Uh, and it, it has, believe it or not, the most expensive movie poster that's made, if anybody can find it, Horror Hotel. And you can, you know, at horror conventions. Another one is The Haunting, which is starring Claire Bloom and Julie Harris. It's a beautiful Robert Wise. He, he made it for MGM. He had a contract with MGM and he had one more movie to fulfill. He was making West Side Story at the time, but he had one more movie for MGM and he decided to take this best-selling book and make it into a fantastic film. It's on Turner Classic Movies a lot called The Haunting. And they just did a remake on Netflix called The Haunting of Hill House. 
Um, another one is Carnival of Souls from the 1960s. And I was privileged to meet the star from that at a horror convention years ago, Candace Hildegas. Very scary. One of the first zombie pictures, black and white, of course. And another one is a Japanese film, Japanese-American film called The Manster. These are four films that are you should put on your Halloween bucket list if you've never seen them. And uh, write those names down because if anybody's a horror aficionado, and even if you're not, these are fantastic quality movies to watch. That's my Sound great. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I saw that the haunting uh, has come out with a new in a new edition. Did you right. watch the new edition? Oh, you know I'm on it. Um, that's actually a trilogy. The Haunting of Hell House is the first one. The Haunting of Bly Manor is the second in the trilogy, which is also Henry James' Term of the Screw. And that is um, what they did to, to, they put it in a modern vein. And then we do not know what the third one will be because of course, things are mysterious in the film world because of COVID. You don't know yes. what the filming schedules were like. So we have to wait for that one. That's it, yeah. So, yes, well, uplifting us, and wait, let me pull the chair in for a second. Hello, hello, there you are. <laughs> uplifting us uh, with a little miracle story that I find quite delightful that um, feels a little bit like uh, something real that we don't know fully that exists around us. Anyway, it took place in maybe the 1800s. And uh, it involves somewhere in Europe where a woman had two daughters and um, no husband and she was very poor. So she was worried as most mothers would be in the old days and some still now, how will she marry off her girls without any trousseau, nothing? How will she get rid of these kids now that they're grown up. And so she's walking down the street one day and she's crying. She's just crying her eyes out, couldn't stop. And an elderly, lovely man, you know, says, may I help you? What's, can I help you? And so she decides to take a risk and talk to him. And she explains that she's a widow. She's living very, very at the edge of poverty. And she does not have any money to get her girls out and married and off into the world. And he's very, very sympathetic. And he takes out his checkbook and he writes a very large check and he gives it to her and he explains which bank she should go to and who, who she should ask for. And um, she's extremely appreciative. She's entranced. You know, she can't believe it. So she goes to the bank and she asks for the fellow who is like actually the top person in this small bank. And um, he takes her into his office and she explains that she was bequeathed uh, this check by a stranger and she wants to, you know, deposit it and withdraw for her two daughters. And he says, um, well, what's the name? And he um, takes the check from her and he gets this incredibly, incredible look of, of fear and awe and, and 
just, he's shocked. And he said, well, this check, this is from my father. He's been dead like 30 years. And um, he's just amazed. He said, but, but certainly this is his signature. Wow. And he said, well, I will cash it for you. I will honor it. Obviously, he somehow, you know, came back and it was important to him. And your daughters will be fine. And that's the end of the story. And it's true. It is? It's, yes, it's true. I mean, I can't prove it to you, but... <laughs> I was just thinking the whole time I'm thinking no. there was money in that bank account and in the ghost bank account. Well, the thing is that whether there was money or not, he was going to honor it. Um, it comes wow. down as a true story. That's I, I'm, I was enthralled in that because I love things like that, spookiness. It makes you think, okay, maybe in the underworld or the afterworld of the mm -hmm. underworld, we'll see people that died and we'll get to see them again, you know? Well, yes. So yes. That's, that's interesting. So I uh, do you want to tell um, a little bit about our Halloween experience this year? Uh, about the, uh, how many kids came? What, uh, <laughs> I'm sure people are a little wondering. Yes. Okay, yeah. well, here's my story. It'll take just a few seconds. I'll tell it first. My husband bought a box of 50 bags of potato chips. Okay. Now, since in the last three or four years, we've never had more than 15 kids. 50 bags implies that there is someone in this house who will be eating. <laughs> I guess he bought them because he liked them, right? <laughs> During the week, I had took one bag. I figured if there were 49, that would be okay. Well, he found out that I took that bag and he was very concerned that we would now not have enough potato chips, which translates to mean he was hoping to have at least 40 bags for himself. So, you know, anyway, as far as the actual early evening, we had two little girls who were like three and four, absolutely adorable in their princess outfits. And um, then we had four of the neighborhood kids uh, with parents in the background. And lastly, it was pretty dark at that point, we had maybe seven young teens. They didn't have that like severe look once they're 16-ish, like you better cough up. You know, they, they were on the cusp somewhere between 14 and 15 walking around together. So that was it. That's my story. And meanwhile, my husband has had, he eats about four bags a night, a little bit. They're little bags, which equals half a bag of regular potato chips. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I do, I think what a lot of people do, I go, I forgot, you know, Halloween. I mean, I didn't forget it, but I thought, oh my God, it's Saturday morning and I haven't bought candy. So I bought pretzel bags and because um, I'm not, I'm more of a, not a big pretzel fan. So mm -hmm. I know I wouldn't plow through them, but I bought three bags of candy and I bought one bag of candy I don't like which is Kit Kat, but everybody loves them. So that's good. The second bag was Snickers almonds, which I'd bring out if I had to, but my real favorite is almond joys and they're oh, the best yes. bag to ever come out. 
So the neighbors across the street, I noticed, had the white across the street, they had a big table set up and they had little candy bags on it and they had a sign, please take one or whatever. I didn't see their sign. I assume that's what it was. The neighbors next to them had clotheslines all over their yard and the little bags of candy Oh, from clothespins. It was brilliant. So adorable. It was beautiful, really. And then I thought, okay, I've painted all my front wicker furniture on my porch, all different colors of the rainbow. I love it. I sit out there more now. So I put a chair out, a blue chair with a big blue bowl and a sign that said, Happy Halloween, please take one. And I sat inside because to open the door with the dog and and I don't think people, I couldn't find my gloves. I have a million pairs of gloves. I couldn't find them, you know, my plastic gloves. So I sat in on the couch and I looked out and the kids came with their parents. They picked one bag and they left. It was brilliant. And I had, I figured it out because of course, Russell counted the potato chip bags. I knew how many bags were in there. They, I had about 40 kids. So but they were all from my development. So everybody knows each other. It's like Mayberry over here. So it, 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 was, it was nice, but it didn't feel like Halloween. You know? yeah. Yeah. Usually I have music playing. I have a costume on. I open the door. I have a skeleton by the front door. I have a butler who talks. None of that. None of that this year. So, you know. My neighbor has a skeleton out. Uh, I, I no, she's a mummy. Excuse me, a, a mummy. Very nice. Yeah, she loves. Told me she loved mummies when she was a little child. Her mother was an artist, and they would go to the Metropolitan in New York and spend a lot of time in the Egyptian rooms. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, beautiful. so she still brings it through for this holiday. Right. And, and I've I've decorated yeah. outside. I, I love to look at the houses. They're beautiful. Uh, you know, I enjoy it. Um, it. But, you know, maybe next year. Hopefully next year we'll back to regular Halloween. Yes, I certainly oh, hope so. So, so um, I, that's... I, yeah, I wanted to mention one more sort of uh, miracle type of story. Okay. I've already, actually, I already told this one. I can't remember where because now we have five or six shows. Plus, we also have been the guest on Hercules radio shows and told some of them our stories also. Right. Uh, Barbara, we want to interject that we're on another yes. show tonight at nine o'clock tonight. Hercules yeah. Invictus and it's on the Facebook link. So if anybody wants yep. to listen. And okay. okay. So one of the things that I think people should be more um, invested in understanding because it'll cheer us up is that when good things happen, things that we hoped would happen um, or we needed at the moment, we don't realize how many steps had to happen to get us there. And if one of those steps wasn't there or wasn't done, the whole thing wouldn't have happened. And the best story I have for that is our um, Disney World story that I've told somewhere with you. You probably have heard it. But we were, it started with my husband putting some sort of ticket in a box when the Jewish Center used to have auctions years ago and deal. And us winning five, four or five nights 
in a hotel near Disney World. I do not know this story. Oh, okay. Entranced. All right. First of all, if you risk this, you're risking what the hell did I win sort of thing. Right. But we pursued it and we went to Florida. We found the motel that was lo located in one patch of land between two major highways on which giant trucks were flying down the lanes all day, all night. Oh, we get to our room and it is pa barely passable. And we sleep there one night and the next morning when I go to the suitcase to open to look for some clothing, there are bugs around the suitcase. Now, oh my gosh. before the whole thing in New York and, you know, with the uh, bed bugs, but it's still bad to have bugs in your room, you know, even yeah. if it's nine, you know. So I was really frantic. And the kids, of course, were excited. We had to get to get to Disney World. So we go to Disney World, which was only like 20 miles from this resort. Oh, yeah, 20. Okay. Right? okay. So you get the scene. Yeah, totally. We're walking around Disney World and I I am so angry at my husband. I mean, what did he do wrong? Nothing, but he's become the culprit. Right. And the kids are, you know, doing all their stuff. They're having a great time. I am getting really in a bad mood. And also I had had some dental work. I mean, it was like, this was getting bad. Mm -hmm. I turned away from my family and I literally just prayed to God, literally, please help us. I can't see staying in this motel another couple of nights and, you know, just do something that'll help. And then just as I finish, I hear Justin scream out, hi, Mrs. Whatever her name was. He was about seven and he runs over to one of his teachers from the Wanamassa school. And they're talking and, you know, and my other, my daughter goes, she's older, but she recognized the teacher. So we cluster together and how are you? How are you? And she said, well, we're pretty upset because, um, and I don't remember whether it was, I think it was her husband's mother or father was not well. We just got a call. We've got to leave here, go to Miami. And we've already paid for all the nights in the hotel here at um, Disney World, and we're just going to lose the money. And the little wheels in my mind are going very quickly. Is there any chance we could take your rooms for the two nights? And she said, well, that would be great for us. The only thing is I know that they um, check you when you come in who you are, so you would have to be our last name. Right. We thought about it. Yeah, that's okay. And we'll send you a check when we get home. So my husband, you know, he he had no choice but to go along with them. Oh, no, you're kill them. Yeah. We go back to the hotel. We pack our bags. We go back to this hotel on the grounds. And um, 
check into these two beautiful rooms, swimming pool below, you know, a, a cafeteria style, but, um, you know, cute the, with the costume people walking around. And then you can get the little train right there to continue where you're going. Do you remember what hotel it was? Do you remember? I would if I heard the name. Okay. It was not one of the gorgeous ones that looks like a palace. It was very down to earth family style. Okay. And it was, um, you know, pretty, pretty well known. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know, and it was on the property. It was one of their hotels. Right. Yeah, yeah, great. So you think about this in terms of a miracle. All the steps, of course, we had to go through a little, you know, annoyance. But that woman in, in that bigger park, we would have never seen her if we hadn't, I hadn't turned around to pray. And so everyone's kind of waiting for me in that little space, just one or two seconds to interact and our whole mission was saved. I have have another miracle too. I forgot, I just thought about it. Um, I have a house that's for sale. And even though everybody says the real estate market's crazy and people wanna buy everything, um, actually in some places, when there are a lot of houses on the market in one place where this place is, they weren't beating the doors down. And there's a Catholic kind of legend about burying a St. Joseph statue. And I got the St. Joseph statue and he went through through all kinds of conniptions because they had, he has to be buried by the sign facing the house and there's a big ritual. And then I buried him and then they moved the sign and I had to look through the dirt to find him and rebury him. And it was like, oh my God. But as soon as I buried him, a week and a half later, a contract came through and I had, didn't think it was going to work because the people did have to apply for a giant mortgage. They got it. And I really now believe in the legend of St. Joseph. It worked. It's beautiful. Now, it do you worked. have to take him out of the dirt and clean him off? After the contract is signed and the house exchanges hands, I have to go dig him up and then put him in a position of authority in my house. And since I'm not, you know, a religious fanatic, but I have this by my computer, a little statue of the Virgin Mary, he's going to go with his wife next here by my computer. And I found this, I found this when I was cleaning out my mom's house who passed away. This was the statue I was given in kindergarten at my grammar school. And I found it in a box. It's beautiful detail. Even the little plastic it thing. Looks gorgeous. Hold it still for a minute. It looks where, am I? where am I? Even oh, it's beautiful. Plastic. Even back in the day, the detail and things, is it's so nice. Yes, it and, is. And St. Joseph is her same size. So they're going to get back. Oh, how sweet. How I, sweet. But I, I truly believe in it. They call us crazy, Barbara. Call us crazy, but we believe in these things. I I truly do. And I think we're very detached from the universe that people had in the, you know, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th century because of all the technology, all the stuff. But I think it's there. I do. I I think it's another layer that is as scientific as any other science. It's just that we don't understand it and we haven't explored it enough. Um, 
You know, I know Edgar Casey is uh, the only figure that's quite famous. Um, Edgar Casey was able to sleep on a book that he had never read and know it in the morning. You Amazing. know, and he could talk to someone two thousand miles away and advise him on his health. And Duke University has a whole department designed around um, him because for like, he found, they followed the people with what he said they should do, you know, and he has notes and everything. And he would come up with like herbs, nothing weird. They would always be things that exist yeah, one of the medicines of the, I think he was alive in the like the early 1900s. Right. I followed a lot of the patients and stuff. And anyway, he was pretty much right most of the time. And you don't know how that information got into him. But I'm glad you said that because I'm going to read more about him. I know about Casey and I've kind of forgot about it, but especially this time of the year, and we might be under lockdown again. Who knows? I might be reading that. I, uh, very, very yeah. interesting, you know? Yeah. And it puts you in a different mode where you feel bigger than what's happening. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And that's why, you know, I like these ideas that um, we, the world is much bigger than the way we feel when we're down in the dumps and that good things can happen, whether you're religious or you're not. The whole concept that if you open your mind and your heart, good things can happen. The right person can come into your life. The opportunity can come into your life that you need. The friend can come back into your life. You know, the uh, wallet that you forgot about can fall out of the pocketbook you're going to give away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just these things can happen and, and they're fun and they enrich us. You do. They do. No, we're actually going to stop because we have to prepare for our next. Yes, to go to our next you know, show. So I'm going to just encourage everybody to stay optimistic. Don't be too scared if you have anxiety or you wake at 3 a.m. because most of us are. Okay. And this will pass. It'll be like, you know, the dreaded sophomore year in college or something. It'll be there. You you'll be talking about it for years, but it will pass. That's what I have to say. You see, my hands are in prayer position. You go, <laughs> which is okay. Keeping and your hands close so you don't grab bags of potato chips. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, <laughs> anything else you want to say, Debbie? No, I just um, you know, I mean, I think it was a really good show. We weren't really prepared because we're both under the gun with a lot of things, um, but. I think it was a good show. I th yes. It makes me think about it. And um, we always come back. We hover around two, sometimes three weeks. Might be three weeks this time because I am going to be closing on a house and a lot going on. But um, we think of interesting subjects and we love to share it with our audience. We enjoy these radio shows. And I hope you enjoy them as much as we do. So always we post on Facebook. Uh, and um, just look for our show. And until then, I think that we're going to be back and we'll probably have maybe a Thanksgiving show. Right? Sounds good. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're cutting it short, everybody, because we're on a new radio show. Tune in at nine o'clock with Hercules and Vic.
Invictus. And I love my uh, cohort here, Barbara Holstein. She's a <laughs> wonderful person, great psychologist, great friend. So I will Goodbye. see you later, Barbara. Yes. A few okay. Minutes. Okay. Bye for now. Bye-bye.